but we are really living in Andy Warhol's like biggest dream, which is taking mundane stuff and making it a status signaler. And how brands that are like old have realized, hey, we can just take something and make it look pretty that can make us relevant again. This is Taste. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. Snackshot, the curatorial and slightly mercurial grocery newsletter and community, has grown into an industry force, read by CPG executives and members of food media on a near-religious level. Andrea Hernandez is the muscle behind this influential publication, and we were lucky to have her back in the studio to talk about what is interesting to her in the grocery store and what she calls the millennial bodega. I hope you enjoy it. Andrea Hernandez, this is Taste. Hi. Welcome back. I'm glad to be back. It's it's it, we you were here in April and you were rolling through town. I was like, can we book some time with you? And you were very gracious to accept. So thank you so much. You run Snackshot. I'll link to the previous episode in the show notes. It was an all-timer. So here you are. Yeah. So Snackshot is a platform where we discuss like upcoming food and beverage trends uh, turned cult. So it's for snack boys of all kinds. So people who are into worshiping sexy pantry items and sultry snack alike. (laughs) Well said, super concise. (laughs) Um, Let's just get into it. The Grimace birthday shake slash celebration rollout kind of owned the early summer. What's your take on that? So, I mean, I'm someone that has been advocating for McDonald's to bring back their McDonaldland characters. Like, since I, even before Snackshot, I've been, like, constantly tweeting, like, bring us, like, bring back what we really want, cowards. Like, Bring back Birdie. Yeah, bring, like, so I feel like, um, I actually wrote about this a couple of issues ago, um, because I really do think that nostalgia, obviously, is a hell of a drug. Um, and I think that they they are one of the earliest to really invest in like IP, right? Developing these characters like the Hamburglar, et cetera. And I think it was kind of lost in uh, like the, probably the past decade. You kind of saw that sort of fizzle out, like them really highlighting their characters in the way that they used to. Yep. And so I I love that they had this whole, like, storyline of, like, oh, yeah, Grimace's birthday. And a lot of people, like, it's so funny, like, talking about the, the horror TikTok trend of Grimace milkshake. It's so funny because people don't really know that Grimace originally was a villain character. Yeah. And I mean, then, he kind of looks a little shady. You, like, look <laughs> yeah. at the guy. But, yeah, that's good to remember. But people don't know that. It's, like, I'm so invested, like, in these, like, retro, like— uh, commercials that looks they're, they're so scary if you ever look for 70s McDonald's oh, commercials yeah. they're so creepy they really are and like the puppetry <laughs> is like really shoddy yeah. and like the costuming is like yeah. the purple is a little faded it looks like basically Grimace is hungover it looks like oh for sure and I I feel like it's one of the things like I really love that they were able to kind of reintroduce this character that's been it's over 50 years old now and to be able to have them be so successful and people kind of relating to it's remarkable I I was able to try the shake on Pennsylvania about two weeks ago I kind of like did you try it um no I don't 
don't see myself ever trying that. No, I, I respect that, Andrea. <laughs> just to be clear, like, you write about the industry. You never frame yourself as, like, a taste tester or yeah. reviewer. I just want to remind guests you more cover the industry. I tried it. I liked it. It reminded me, it tasted like birthday cake. Oh, oh my God. That sounds so good. It was not berry in any way. So that was cool. It was, like, purple but birthday cake. So if anybody from McDonald's is listening, I would love for them to really bring back Mayor Mac Cheese. Yeah. Like, I find him. I actually wrote about this when I was writing about Grimace. Like, what are the most uh, fuckable, like, vintage McDonald's characters? And obviously, top of my list is Mayor Mac Cheese. Yeah, so yeah. please bring him back. 100%. <laughs> Have you that- heard about the Uncle Grim- old Grimacy lore? Uh, No. Actually, Shalia, fill us in. Okay, so I went way down a rabbit hole into this grimace situation. First, I'm going to say I like your birthday cake, but I'm going to raise you. It's kind of like after you finish a bowl of tricks, like the milk at the bottom of it. Mm. Like that's what it reminds me of. I also was a big fan of it. But there's like a lot of lore around grimace because like the older grimace character had like a family. So like there was like his mom, like Grimabeth, who would like take him to McDonald's. And then also... For Shamrock Shake, and I really hope they bring it back next year, there was this character called Uncle O'Grimacy, and it was, like, his uncle who came from Ireland only once a year <laughs> and would, like, he was the one to, like, give out the Shamrock Shakes, like, in, like, the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s, and I'm really hoping he comes back. Oh, my God. I love that. I love that he has an entire family. That's amazing. That's great. Thanks, Shalia. That was, <laughs> that's, I feel like this is a never-ending McDonald's. We got to do a whole McDonald's episode. For real. Um, we also ended last episode, and I want to come back to this point because it was really, really good. <laughs> great quote. Quote, Andrea, Walmart is a new pantry kith. Um, I fully agree, and I want to follow up. My question is, does Walmart just need better PR? Because still to this day, most people, like, bag on Walmart. Um, I think it depends on who you're talking to, right? I feel like Target, for the longest time, had that reputation of being more of, like, embracing emerging brands and having kind of, like, the cool factor of it, but... With this new generation, which I like to say Gen Alpha, YouTube is what I like to call them because obviously, like they didn't, like they're not growing up watching television; they're growing up watching their favorite creators on a YouTube channel. The, so, like, they've really like been able to take like these like movement of this creator creator brand boom. So, like for example, Emma Chamberlain's RTD is exclusively at Walmart. Yeah. I think that's where they started. I'm not sure if they've expanded. Really to wise to sign up Emma Chamberlain. Just really good for them. I mean, yeah, well, just like again, like being the first place to pick up yeah. on these brands that are so cool amongst like the kids. I don't know if you saw like the news about uh, this week about Prime and how like this uh, senator is like saying like, oh, the new social status for kids is not toys or shoes it's like beverages and i'm like oh my god has he been reading snack shop because <laughs> yeah. i've literally been talking about you snack as a signaler for the longest time 100 and that was in response to banning one of uh he was trying to or, or yeah like, yeah prime energy drinks which is yeah. which is kind of unfair because you know prime's energy drink has the same and like, caffeine as like things like Celsius. And I think what he's trying to say is that they are being marketed to kids, which is not really true because in its website, it's always said like, hey, this is not for anybody under 18. Yeah, it's pretty explicit with the legality. And those, I think it was Chuck Schumer actually was doing the senator from New York City. Yeah. New York sen- State. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, but like that's one of the things like when I wrote about Walmart being this like new kind of like the pantry kith uh, for this younger generation is because that's where you can find, you know, things for like Prime, mm-hmm. um, Feastables, Chocolate, 
Target and all these different brands that, again, that resonate a lot with this younger generation. I think people forget that Gen Z is no longer like the kid generation anymore (laughs) because most of them are, uh, you know, of age or in their mid-teens. So they're not really kids anymore. So I think um, one of the things I feel like Walmart has kind of been able to beat out Target being that place for this new generation. People forget about that. So when you activate within a Walmart, um, are you seeing that, are they doing like capsule collections within like certain spots of the store? I guess, how are they as a retailer um, I mean, signing up products is one thing, but you have to activate. You have to merchandise. Yeah, no, and they, you'll have – so one of my favorite things is to go to these brands and their tagged photos. So, like, you can actually see, like, UGC, user-generated content. Um, and I love to kind of just see how are people engaging with these, like, cardboard cutouts. And you'll have, like, kids taking pictures with, yeah. like, Mr. Beast's face. Within or, the Walmart. Within yeah. the Walmart, yeah. And so I do think um, – I know for the – I don't know if they still carry it, but uh, early on with this TikToker's uh, energy drink, I forget what it's called. Um, I think it's called Ani, mm. and it's Josh Richards, uh, like this big TikToker. I don't know if, how popular he still is, but uh, he would do like meet and greets at Walmart, and yeah. he would have like these like like lines of just like teenagers. It's kind of like thinking of like a sort of band vibe thing. (laughs) And it's, you know, outside of a Walmart. It's really, really brilliant to like have for Walmart to maybe like sneakily leverage those like meetups in some way. Yeah, because that's something that you would think of like of like a cool factor of like an Erewhon, you know. We'll get to Erewhon. (laughs) We'll get to Grocery Corps. Okay. (laughs) Um, Other news this week, Mars. That privately owned company, very mysterious in some ways, they're on an acquisition spree. Uh, they, they acquired Trufu, they've acquired Kind in the past, and they recently acquired Kevin's Natural Foods, which is a massive brand. You've seen in the grocery store, it's, it's basically pre-cooked proteins and sauce. Sometimes they're doing a little bit of like pasta. I think I had a, in my Hungry Root box, I had a, a pasta that was pretty interesting. What, what does this tell you? So I've been tracking this. Um, then I like I wrote about like when they brought uh, they they acquired Kind. I wrote about like oh Mars is about to go try to get themselves a health halo is what I call it. So obviously you know Mars from being like the candy company yeah. and um, I guess that they're what they're trying to do is kind of build a sort of wellness health portfolio and they've it's so funny because i joke that honestly kind bars are literally candy based on like the sugar content that they have so again it's like this like perception of health but it's not really a healthy snack those protein bars um you know have an insane amount of sugar yeah so again it's like a health halo what they're trying to do is kind of build out and i guess like diversify themselves because they see probably as an opportunity of like okay so like we own chocolate and we own candy so like how do we incorporate or build out a portfolio of this like growing category which is like these like wellness yeah the the health halo is a great point have you ever frozen a kind bar and, and done that uh, no, I, again, I would never buy that. I just, I remember like uh, looking at the Cliff Bars and Kind Bars and yeah. I I think I even tweeted about this like early on. I was like this, like, can we just agree like these things are not, they're literally candy. Yeah, at there's that no point. kindness there, but they are pretty delicious. <laughs> Liza's a big fan of the frozen version. I have not tried it. Um, 
you've been kind of clowning, but kind of celebrating the millennial bodega. <laughs> I love that your meme meme game is like really hitting like 11, Andrea. <laughs> what do you mean by the millennial bodega? What is the space that you write about? Yeah, it's so funny because uh, people get it, right? And they feel identified. And I think it's just so funny because it is it is true. Uh, but that meme that I recently posted was inspired by this bodega that I came, like an actual bodega that I came across uh, in the Lower East Side that wasn't like a pop-up gross or anything. It was like you're from the outside, it looks like, you know, your parents' bodega. And then I'm inside and you you see literally almost all the brands you can find at something like a pop-up grocery. And it was like Seamoss, like Olipop, like Ruby Hibiscus. And, like, all these different, like, trendy wellness yeah. snacks. And so, like, looking at that, I was like, wow. So, like, these millennials are really shaping, like, what goes into these, like, traditional bodegas where you would, you know, usually find your Coke or your Pepsi. But the fact that now you can find, like, Olipop and things yeah. like Mush, which is, like, this oat, like— Oh, yeah, the oats. The yeah. You know, and all the yogurts. And, and so downstairs, our building at 56 and Broadway is a millennial bodega. Yeah, I see. Through and through. Yeah. And I love that you call it out because it's true. These buyers in places like New York and L.A., are, it's not especially like pop-up grocer or foxtrot. It's like literally the bodega that everyone goes to. And again, bodega is like party store, is like small grocery. And like it's clear that these brands are resonating with not just internet first like, people, but everyone. Everyone. Because like I was deep in Bushwick uh, visiting the people from Smallhold. Yeah. I don't know if you know the Oh, the they were on the company. show about a month ago. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was visiting Andrew and it was like something on like a uh, Flushing Ave, this like bodega that had like Reese's yeah like like promoting that it had like Reese's and like a couple other drinks and I was just like whoa this is something again it's like your bodega that had like graffiti as like it's like (laughs) logo like it's it it looks like a traditional bodega but like inside it's you can tell the millennial this generation's influence in what goes into the fridge like the the fridge and yeah. the shelves etc so you know it is joking but at the same time it's the reality we live in in 2023 i know do you get a sense <laughs> do you think some of these like vc backed companies are like the the brands are out there and then the sales force they're like cutting deals with these bodega owners and actually doing some loss leading kind of pricing structures and just like giving them great deals to shelve them or maybe paying the shelving prices it's a very rudimentary reading of retail, but I wonder what your take is. Yeah, I, I tweeted about this. I was like, who's buying $12 Magic Spoon at Target? Yeah. Right? And so the fact that they're all in these, like, retailers and, like, oh, yeah, we're in 7,000 retail spots. Like, how much is that is actually, like, a genuine growth because of the need and demand for the product versus something that's being subsidized by VC dollars? Yep, yep, yep. yep. I, I wonder, there's going to be a deep dive. I'm sure Snackshot will, will, you will do that <laughs> deep dive. But, um, I mean, I think ultimately after 18 months of it, you'll see Magic Spoon or not on the shelf. So, yeah, I feel like especially the this year and probably on, like rolling on to next year, you're, uh, you're going to start to see a lot of either consolidation or just brands shut, like shuttering because the wells have dried up, especially in, in something like CPG, where I think the smoke and mirrors are starting to clear up and people are starting to like get out of that like lucid state of thinking that, you know, tech and CPG are the same, right? People realizing like, hey, 
sometimes a company like, you know, for example, Yasso yogurt, like frozen yogurt treats just got bought out by Unilever and the company's been building itself for 10 years. 20 right? million or 200 million dollars, I think, in, in, in sales. Yeah. Yeah. Like a huge number of sales. But, yeah. But that's happened over the trans, like the, I think it was like 10 or 12 yeah. years that they've been. And so like people are forgetting that, especially in this industry. We, we, most of these like brands like uh, Olipop and Poppy and Liquid Death, they're not even, they're barely five years old. Yeah. And so, you know, Liquid Death, uh, I think they just did another raise, like at a $1 billion valuation. And the, the news broke out yesterday, they're going to go try an IPO. Yeah, they're, they're getting the, the financing behind but, uh, the, the bankers. Yeah. yeah. But it's, for me, what's interesting is like people forget that in this industry, like a lot of these success stories don't happen overnight. And so that there's still, time that's needed to actually build something in my opinion that can be like oh you know getting purchased by Unilever or whatever honestly I'm rooting for liquid dust to not be acquired I yeah from the beginning I was like I hope they never get acquired I hope they become so expensive that they can't be acquired <laughs> and lo and behold I was right here they are trying to IPO at the billion <laughs> valuation uh and I think Olipop is a great example you've written about extensively Dan Fromer over at New Consumer has written about them and they've been doing it for a while I mean it feels like they're a buzzy brand right mm-hmm. but they've been like building it brick by brick five years yeah so I guess five is not 15 but it's not 18 months. Yeah, exactly. So I think that they've been slowly, you know, and and they they were the ones who kind of pioneered this whole fiber soda category, which is, again, our version of Metamucil. So, you know, it's people can laugh at it and can like joke. But to be to be fair, like they're it's pretty genius what they've done, because, you know, where Metamucil could have done it. <laughs> They did it and they made a cooler version of something that's really needed, which is the fact that we need fiber in our diet is like the most logical thing. And as we age, we need it more. So it's definitely not a shitty business. (laughs) I'll leave there. Uh, Let's talk about N.A. Uh, Beer in particular. I've been very much on the this is the summer of N.A. beer. I'm feeling a little bit redeemed with that sesh of that assertion it feels like that summer of the Croix from like four or five years ago any beer is maybe in that category andrea you're kind of like squinting like maybe you don't agree i'd like to get your take on na no i mean i wrote about this last year when i wrote about like the new alt brewskis i called it <laughs> i love it um and i talked about visitor because visitor uh launched last year um they're like found at places like foxtrot i think pop-up grocer maybe um, they actually taste really good and some people might mistake it for like an actual beer it was so funny. Yeah. I, I had it at a festival. I was manning this like bodega curated by Snackshot and the, all these firemen were coming up grabbing the NA beer really thinking that it was beer and then there were like their like faces of like disappointment when I told them like no it doesn't have any alcohol but it fooled them. I think uh, you know uh, athletic Bruin, yeah. the fact that you can find it internationally now, to me, is just like mind blowing yeah. the way that they've been able to successfully grow. And obviously, as they've built themselves into this like massive company for the category, like they've basically opened it up for uh, brands in like internationally to, yeah. you know, Australia has heaps. Uh, Canada has a bunch. Uh, Partake just did a whole rebrand of themselves. Yep. One of my favorite ones uh, based in Canada and Vancouver is Nani. Oh, yeah, and, sure. They're yeah, great. Nani beer is yeah, great. Yeah, really good. Um, There's Owls as well, the Owls, smaller brands. Yeah. There's so many. And I think 
again, this is going to be same thing that happened with heart seltzer, same thing that happens when people are just kind of chasing a trend. If you haven't had de- like if you haven't had developed sort of like a brand or a universe that's really organically pulling people together, there's so many cho- like there is a limit of how many choices we can have, right? And how many brands yeah. I'm going to try and how many am I going to get converted to? Yeah. And I think the reality is that the winners here are very clear, right? Like athletic brewing, someone like Partake that have been putting in the work because athletic brewing didn't come from one day to another. Like they've been, I think since 2017. Absolutely. And and just absolutely to create new math, basically. They didn't, they weren't doing like dealkalized yeah. Beer, they were like creating a new product, yeah. which is very challenging. For me, the big the big pop this summer has been the um, Langonitas uh, Hoppy Seltzer. Yeah, I'm seeing like 12 packs of like yeah. like variety packs over at like the the shop rights, and it's like that. And I was in Chicago, I was having a drink at like Rainbow, this like amazing dive bar in Wicker Park, and they're like selling it there. Oh, I saw oh, that's oh my god, I was in a par- uh, uh, dive bar in Portland, and I couldn't believe that they had Athletic Brewing there. Yeah. Like that's just how much they've permeated. Um, but also, I think uh, speaking of NA in general, I think Gia is something that I really w- am rooting for yeah. to be successful just because I find it very genius, their positioning of this has no alcohol yet. I'm drinking it. And the way that people serve it in glasses or whatever, it's like like envisioning like, oh, I'm still having like my Aperol spritz in like the Mediterranean just <laughs> in how they've curated their imagery and like their yeah. like their can and all the aesthetics like play into that story. And also like you see that for me is a success of NA where they realize like alcohol's magic of literally selling you a depressant as a happy elixir comes from marketing and making things sexy. And so I think that the appeal of this industry is being able to make some like a sober drink that whereas it used to be two extremes, right? It used to be like the plain seltzer or you had like the virgin daiquiri that was like all sugary, whatever. And it's very infantilizing. So you had the overly infantilizing sugary drink or the plain boring seltzer. And the genius of this like booming, I guess, category is that they've been able to say like, okay, uh, how do we create something that's like taste profile that emulates something like the burn of alcohol? So mm-hmm. bitters and soda having a big moment because of that. So, I mean, I could talk about this. No, it's day, a great, but... we could talk about it forever. And I think Gia <laughs> is a great example of starting with the the standalone NA product that was like a Campari NA, but then going to RTD and really being able to seed that with influencers create that lifestyle around NA. A lot of people tried to do it, but Gia really... Oh, but but their success comes from, like, the accessibility. Because to be fair, I don't think anybody's buying $40 of NA stuff, bottles, and I think can makes it, one, accessible, and it also is, like, a good entry point in if I haven't tried your stuff... I'm happy to buy a $4 can of something, but I'm not going to go buy, you know, a $40 drink bottle of a drink and a drink that I've never tried. So I think that that's why you've seen every NA bottle now do cans like Acid League just launched their proxies can. So smart. Yeah. There's many examples out there. We can. Yeah, we can move on. I have to ask you threads. You're, I mean, really, you're tapped into all social. You're almost a social first platform. What do you think about threads? Yeah, I mean, I think it's honestly like I I started using it a lot in the beginning and I kind of but uh, I just kind of like stopped yeah. just because I've been very busy. I like it. I feel like it. it's good to and interesting to see 
Twitter dynamics on Instagram. And I think that it's so smart for them to kind of say, okay, well, there's a whole, everybody knew there was this kind of like the Instagram versus the person who tweets. And to see like these people kind of embrace that like Twitter-esque culture Mm. has been very interesting for me. But if you're a brand and you're not making the best of threads, as in like if you're going and posting the same BS you're posting in your other accounts, you're doing it wrong. Um, And I really hope that it becomes less of a LinkedIn meets like like think boy, Mm -hmm. you know, armchair philosopher. And I hope that it keeps its kind of like weird factor. (laughs) Yeah, blue sky is where you can go for that shit. Yeah, (laughs) go somewhere else because I and it was so funny because I made this meme where it's like it like where I'm trying to make the case like every social platform, what's going to reign supreme is just memes. And so hopefully, you know, my thesis is correct. I think the slideshow factor is really big on threads, the way you're connecting text with a like a five slide. I think it's a super light app. It's my initial impressions as well. I want it to be integrated with Instagram. Hopefully they'll do that sometime soon. Fully agree on that one. Okay. The snackies. Is that a bit? (laughs) Is that a bit or are you actually doing it? No, bad? this is, this is, we booked a space. Okay, I was like, yeah. I thought, no, that's bit. a thing. So August 17th, <laughs> you've not announced really anything about it except it's August 17th. How can I be there first? <laughs> what are the snackies? And this is, Andrea, so needed to have your <laughs> kind of take on an awards program. Yeah. I no, I am super, super excited. So the snackies are our version of sort of like the Dundee. So if you're f- familiar with The Office, is kind of like a take on that. So there's going to be like a reverent award being given out and we're going to have like a step and repeat we're going to have like founders give each other like these awards themselves but of course like it's nothing serious like one of the awards that like I have is like doppelganger founder award (laughs) (laughs) I already have the winners for it I can't reveal it yet so good but yeah so like the idea is to just bring the community together to just celebrate itself as opposed to like oh someone won best beverage like just kind of like mocking the whole idea of the best of when again I guess for me this industry is like very subjective so in my opinion most of them are winners just you know for trying to (laughs) to exist in this highly competitive space so okay can you say where oh, it's yeah. going to be. Yeah, How do we get tickets? Be, do we show up? Do, what is- uh, yeah. So, like, obviously, like, if you follow Snackshot, you'll be able to sign up whenever yeah. the RSBB comes out. But it's going to be hosted at my Maxwell Social, which is an incredible, incredible, beautiful space, like, around Tribeca area. Um, that's where we're making it black tie mandatory just because, like, the space lends itself Love for, that. like, a very, you know, beautiful affair. So just keep an eye out on our socials and the RSVP. People are going to be able to just RSVP. Cool. And we're just going to bring, uh, you know, some good food and snacks and beverages. I'll link to them in the show notes if it's available when we release yeah. this okay. interview. But I, I love it. I love it. Um, on the last interview, I really liked what you said about brands Trojan horsing with aesthetics, meaning basically getting people to buy the same old shit that looks a little cooler. You had mentioned Fanta as an example. How let's we didn't really talk about in depth in detail. This feels like it's like a cynical take on like where we are with established brands, but it's it's the truth. 
Um, I feel like it's it's really funny because first of all, I'm such a quotable person. I love it. No, uh, it was a great talk. We uh, we had a lot of readers reach out and say that was great. So here you are, four weeks, four months later. Yeah. So I would say it's very. It's. I think I've mentioned this in the last podcast, but we are really living in Andy Warhol's like biggest dream, which is taking mundane stuff and making it a status signaler, and how brands that are like like old Mm -hmm. have realized hey we can just take something and make it look pretty that you know can sort of make us relevant again in this like for this new generation so gushers uh fruit by the foot i think it's called they just did this whole rebrand i personally did not like it but i understand why they're doing it because they're trying to they they realize like oh all these like new candy and new emerging brands are really focusing on aesthetics and so like there was someone that said like uh this is also kind of like blanding because a lot of the designs that were made in like past decades had a lot more like technical ability to it Mm -hmm. and a lot of these ones are just being designed on all these like tech highly tech like designer programs whatever and I found that very interesting but at the same time you know retailers themselves have told brands like brands will tell me like hey I've you know I've been told by retailers like I have to like upgrade my packaging because they want things to kind of look this in like same format so Whole Foods will reach out to a a big CBG company and be like yo like step it up I don't know if they'll do it with the big ones because yeah. snack daddy has the big pocket so yeah. whatever they say goes <laughs> i guess but <laughs> but for the small ones i've had brands tell me yeah. like give give me that commentary of like yeah i have to figure out how to like upgrade my packaging because that's something that retailers also have yeah you know noted but i do think like a lot of brands are also kind of overly relying on being a pretty package oh sure and a lot of the feedback will be like yeah i tried it because it was it was nice and that's one of the like the reasons why i meme this industry so much because it is true like some people will literally just buy for the packaging itself and then they'll try it they don't like it they never buy it again and so i think that's the big uh sort of I don't know, like a paradox of yeah, your stuff can look pretty, but if it doesn't taste good, yeah. it's really your not shit's got to be dope. It's got to hit. It's got to hit hard, and you got to like get that craveability for any product. If it's yeah, and I like to joke like uh, I did this where it's like uh, reject, uh, like reject modernity, embrace tradition, and it's like talking about like like the whole design on like cherry coke and fruitopia like they were so weird and like look so like bad Mm -hmm. but now like compared to like the oversimplified like brands you see today like you kind of get nostalgic for that like weird chaos of like completely i mean like the blanding or the graying of of marketing for cpg has been well regard well written about you've done a lot of that and we like we definitely need a little bit more spice Mm -hmm. (laughs) um we just had chitra agrawal on and she runs brooklyn deli and she tells this story um about trader joe's ripping off literally ripping off her her pickle and I just wanted to ask you, because we we have so much love for Trader Joe's as a, and TJ's is, is definitely part of our culture. And, and this isn't to shade and pick on Trader Joe's, but man, that was quite a tough story. Is Trader Joe's less fuzzy and warm than we realize? So, I mean, I'm not like 
surprise that's happening. I think what's interesting with Trader Joe's is that I don't really think that they carry those brands within their retail. So then it becomes like more like WTF versus like someone like Kroger that you go in and you can find like a prebiotic, a private label prebiotic soda next to the Olipop. That is even shadier. <laughs> In my opinion, I'm like, I, I've been trying to tell brands, like, not only you have to worry about, like, the competitiveness in the space, but now you also have to worry about, like, how do you hedge against the private labelization of your brand? Mm-hmm. Of your very so, specific category that you've Exactly, that you basically innovated. to yeah. like. So me looking at, like, you know, how Kroger did this, like, private label version of Olipop, the root beer, the flavors and everything. Obviously, the the branding doesn't really hit the same. But it's been fascinating because not only them, but Aldi just released the prebiotic soda, yeah. too. And it was so funny because I, I love to go on Reddit to kind of see the commentary around these products. And a lot of people were just saying, like, yeah, I love Olipop and, you know, it tastes great. But the Kroger one tastes like the same, too. And so Ah. they were just saying, like, I mean, it's cheaper. So obviously I'm going to go for the cheaper thing. So I think that that to me, it's like like even shadier. Right. Because like like they basically can manipulate like, oh, you know, they'll put your like product and then their product right next to Mm -hmm. it with the Trader Joe's thing. They also did it with um, Fly by Jing and Little Sesame's like chili, like crisp hummus. And I remember Jing posting about it. I do think it's it's shady. You know, like we can call out Trader Joe's like we can just call out the bullshit where it is. And, you know, I wish there was a way that they could work with these emerging brands, because if you think about it, like they have a reason to be upset. Right. Because this industry is so costly, intensive and you have these like big retailers just coming off and ripping you off. It's similar to like fashion and somehow People can be a lot more uproar and and mad when it comes to, like, fashion and fashion designers getting ripped off. You know, there's a whole thing called Diet Prada where they call mm-hmm. out these things. But there's no one really doing it for the food and beverage industry. Maybe maybe I should do a, yeah, a, a Diet like, Prada. Tab, a tab. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it's your thread version. Yeah. No, I your point is so taken. And I, and I think it is bullshit for a company the size of Trader Joe's to, to straight up rip off. Um, this very specific type of pickle and using the same similar naming convention, Indian pickle we're speaking about, a naming convention and, and and colors and branding scheme like that. I mean, but it's di- it's difficult to for these small founders to to make take any legal action because of course it would drain their limited resources. Um, it's it's I mean, Devil Wears Prada has the the whole the whole hem conversation about in, in that show. So yeah, exactly. Um, to be continued. We can't really put like a period on this conversation because I think it's it's just like when we have founders on the show on taste we're gonna just talk about um their relationships with some of the big retailers and maybe more can get together and be like call it out the injustice mm-hmm. grocer core what's happening with grocer core <laughs> I feel like Erwan's uh, is just the tip of it and 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 Erwan, uh bag uh as your uh as your fashion accessory is is certainly something that's real but what are you seeing grocery oh my god my favorite meme I really need to post it I had to take it down because I did like a typo but um there's a meme that I made that's like you don't have main character energy you just spent 340 dollars on the Susan Alexandra times sweet green tote and it's like this like giant beaded sweet green tote 
Um, and so I also like tweeted like, oh, yeah, you know, like uh, Sweet Green said, uh, hold my salad hmm. to the $245 Erewhon tote by putting out this like even more expensive <laughs> tote to put your fucking <laughs> expensive salad in. I think it's I th- I personally love it. I love to see things like All Deep come out with these like capsules and people actually buying it. There's a meme of these like Aldi sliders. Somebody made it like and it put like, oh, check out my Aldidas. And I think that those are like, <laughs> you know, if, if you can make it a meme, I feel like you've you've nailed you nailed the cultural, I guess, like relevance. And so I like to to think of Grocer Core as kind of the extension of the pantry kith movement where it's mm-hmm. like an Erewhon jogger, you know, has become a status symbol, an Erewhon uh, tote bag, similar effects. Like Foxshot has their own like, you know, grocery merch. You see delis coming out with their own sort of like gro- sort of grocery core ma- yeah. merch, like deli core. And I think it's, you know, very reminiscent of like the restaurant industry that, you know, that, that people would buy like the teas of restaurants mm-hmm. or like the sandwich cab, shops, sandwich shops yeah. et cetera. Yeah. So I think it's, it's also from that where it's like uh, a very in the know kind of thing. So like if you have that like Erewhon tote bag and you oh, know yeah. how much it costs and you see someone like strutting around, like it's like, oh, you know, like they know. Um, but I, it's a thing that's like very endemic, like across like not just in the U.S. So I've seen this happen with like grocery chains or in, or grocery stores um, in Europe, in Australia, mm-hmm. in the Philippines. There, I found this like really cute like grocery store that had their own like line of merch, like uh, tote bags, shirts and everything. And I think it's very interesting because it does say something about us as a generation across countries and languages of yep. how this relationship with food as a signal or status is is everywhere. It can be found everywhere. I find it absolutely fascinating. I'm all for it. You know, this is like grocery yeah. core is kind of like the new streetwear and I love it. I love it so much. I see Lytle as well on like uh, Tour de France jerseys and I yeah. feel there's Lytle merch, which is similar to Aldi and, and honestly... It, can, it isn't a bad thing to, like, elevate food in, into the pop culture and mainstream like this. Yeah. I feel... Well, cool. I, I have a Foxtrot tote right here. Oh, yeah, you're, you're rocking the Foxtrot <laughs> I'm, ro- I'm rocking Grocer Core for sure. Of course you are. I mean, I think Pop-Up's got a great branding, too. I, oh, yeah. I love some of their gear. And oh, for it, sure. You obviously have to have a great shirt if you're going to open oh, anything. Sure. You know? Oh, my God. I actually have the shirt that said um, Spicy, one of the first uh, shirts that Pop-Up Grocer put out there. I bought it and then I wanted to get the socks that say like uh, crunch and then crisp or something like that. I love but that. Yeah, I like it. It's it's a fun thing. And I'll, and again, I think this is, could be a whole nother conversation, but I do believe like, you know, as Starbucks has become less and less a third space because now they're focusing on like delivery and making their spaces like some don't even have bathrooms, some don't even have places to sit. They've kind of lost relevancy as a third space and these grocer cafe places like Foxtrot Market or Pop-Up Grocer have more and more so become and filled in that gap of a third space. So then it makes sense that it's like, well, it's kind of like a cult-ish kind of thing in the same way that Starbucks used to be. Completely. And so instead of the Starbucks cup, you have the Foxtrot tote or the pop-up grocer hat yeah. you know have you seen the pop-up capsules in nordstrom they're, they're opening like nine of them yeah i mean they this is like 
they did that. They've been working with Nordstrom for a bit now. Yeah. yeah. And I love just the evolution of the build outs because the first ones were like not as like built out and stuff. Yeah. So I'm happy for them. I love it. It just proves again the whole pantry kith movement totally. evolves. Back to that. <laughs> literally, yeah, no, literally, 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 you're seeing it in one of the luxury uh, retailers in our country. But back, as a postscript about the the merch, my favorite restaurant merch is still um, Samesa from Eli Sussman, um, Shawarma in the Supreme font. Just like cla- <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I love that. Um, I still haven't tried dirtbag chocolates. Oh, my God. They're so good. Is it good? Like, Honestly, I will tell you, like, I rarely will say something because, I, again, <laughs> what we talked about this I earlier, know. taste is very subjective. Yep. I don't want people to be like, well, Snackshot said it was good and it tasted bad totally. to me. So I, I personally like it. And I'm saying this as someone who doesn't like sweet stuff. And this is not, like, overpoweringly sweet. It's just... A treat. It feels like a treat, and it really just feels like something that was made for an indulgence as opposed to, like, overly functional, which I love. Into it. And I'm just clowning a little bit because I was, like, last episode, I was like, <laughs> dirtbag is for food? What? <laughs> Super into it, though. Thanks. Okay. Andrea, on This Is Taste, we ask guests about their discerning taste. So to close this interview, here's a little rapid-fire Fast and Furious taste check for you. Are you ready? Sure. <laughs> okay. The last snack to touch your lips. Ooh, today. um, I had the Hey Champ, like uh, pretzel yeah. treats. Mm. So good. So good. Best snack for road trips. Mm, oh my god. Uh, best like for road trips, I would say. Um, I really like the good crisp, like salt and vinegar Pringles, and then their cheese puffs. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. They're so good. Into that. Most underrated chip? Ooh, uh, the, God, there's so many. Most underrated chip. Oh, I can't decide. But I will say I, I do like a good Snacklins. Yeah. Yeah. Snacklins. They're very underrated for sure. Uh, most underrated drink. This could be RTD. It could be soda. It could be anything. Ooh, underrated. It's a tough one, I know. Huh. I think Bowie doesn't get as much like credit for how yep. good their drinks are. It's very high quality. Bowie's yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. Sold. Their maracuya one is top tier. Sold at the Millennial Bodega downstairs. Okay. Yeah, very, we can catch one later. Okay, your favorite grocery store chain, national U.S. category. Ooh, uh, I would say I really like. I mean, this is just very cliche, but I, honestly, I just enjoy the familiarity of a Whole Foods and especially the Whole Foods like in Texas that have these giant bars in it. The fact that I can like drink wine while I'm grocery yeah. shopping, it's it's a millennials, you know, dream. It is. It's it's also just like extremely smart retail strategy. <laughs> yeah. uh, favorite grocery store chain category, local, quirky or weird? Ooh. I feel like um, there's the—I've never been, but I'm dying to go to the jungle gym. I, I'm dying to go to that. Uh, for quirky, I really love Well Spent in Portland. Yeah. And then another one I would say is the Monsoon Market that you can find in Arizona. I just love that they've—you know, there's a disco ball. There's a couch. Like, you can just, like, relax and hang out, literally— um, and you can also grab a glass of wine while yeah. you, you know, shop for your favorite snacks and, and really, really love the vibe that they've curated for it. 
most overrated snack category? Ah, uh, the functional drinks. Yeah. I'm over it. You're over it. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Brand that you wish got a second chance at life, meaning they died uh, too soon. Orbits. Gone too soon. Orbits. Yeah. Oh, I remember orbits. Orbits. Gone too soon. Somebody needs to bring it back, please. There, I feel like I've seen it. Maybe you've been covering this. I've seen it in the in the culture a little bit. There's Well, the, the, the fact that there's like bubble tea, like RTDs now where you actually yeah. see the pearls. I'm like, orbits was too soon, man. Obviously, it's not the same, but like they had those little like things. Those and beats, so, like, yeah. Oh, if somebody Edible can bring beats. it back, that would be iconic. Brand that you wish never existed. Oh God, this is very difficult. That never existed. Yeah, you just wish like when they when it was part of a slide deck. In- oh, anything with activated charcoal. Like I don't know how. <laughs> uh, there's so many brands that adopted it, but I just wish that whole movement never yeah. existed. Yeah, are you just saying because it just doesn't it mean anything? It's an adaptogen. It, yeah. it was yeah. I was just like very. But it was very random because you literally had everybody like choking on like activated charcoal stuff from everything from toothpaste to drinks. And yeah, it was wild. I mean, there was the ash movement in like like fine dining, you know, certainly like especially in like Scandinavian Northern Europe, there yeah. was like this big ash moment. Maybe it came from that. Maybe, but it was it was just too much. And too I'm glad much. that it's it's gone. It's kind of gone, yeah. <laughs> Favorite recent restaurant meal? Oh my God. I don't Mm. Oh my god! I did go to this place in Montreal con- called Pumpui, mm-hmm. and I think it was like uh, sort of uh, Thai food. And I normally will be like, when people say it's spicy, I'll be like, eh, because especially in places like here in the U.S., I feel like it's a little bit more tamed. But they really felt very authentic, and yeah. it was just really cool because you had, like, your natural wine paired. Mm-hmm. Like, I-, I was basically a meme myself, just going there and ordering my orange wine. with Orange it. wine with ultra spicy, <laughs> in Thai cuisine. Yeah, I love it. Your favorite thing to make at home? Ceviche. Yeah. Whenever I will, like, I will take my time. Like, that's like a, a meditation for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I just prep everything. It's so colorful, and I love— to be like just waiting around for the the fish to cook itself and like the juice that I make that I make towards much more spicy. I like to include like avocado and mango in mine. Yeah. It's my favorite thing to make for others. With well. lime? With oh no, yeah, of course lots of, of lime. Of course, mine. just a remind, yeah. Just- yeah, because some like, oh my god, so like <laughs> the crudo movement has to die. Like I feel like crudo has become like the orange wine of like the dime square you- persona. Crudo was I'm literally Invented. This is a crazy statement, but it's true. At Esca, like not far from here. That's so there funny. Because oh it's literally ceviche. It, it's. I mean, it's just. It was. It was a movement in like this Italian ceviche with like olive oil <laughs> and salt <laughs> and and citrus and and uh, Pasternak. Uh, Dave Pasternak was the chef, and like he created this thing, and it was through the Mario Battaglione player. And crudo is this thing. I know, and it's it's crazy. It's gotten everywhere. <laughs> it's it's hilarious. I'm glad you called that out. <laughs> Good call. Last but not least, Andrea, your favorite sandwich. Ooh, oh man. You know what? I don't really have one. I can't tell you if I, I, I just, I'm not a sandwich person. Respect. Respect <laughs> it. I, I love that you just like took the pass on the last one. Andrea Hernandez, thank you so much for joining This Is Taste. Thank you so much for having me once again. <laughs> this 
This is Taste is hosted by Eliza Abarbanel and me, Matt Rodbar. The show is produced by Shalia Harris and Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter for updates on all cool things that are happening. 